Welcome to another episode of Trees and Lines. Today we talked with Caitlin Pollahan, CEO and Executive Director of the International Society of Arboriculture, about the goals of ISA, its partnership with the Utility Arborist Association, and trends she's seen from her unique lens in her position. Have a listen. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Caitlin. I, uh, Welcome. I sure appreciate your taking time to join us today. Uh, Absolutely. Are you just back in town? Is that what I understood? <laughs> we just finished up our uh, 99th annual international conference and the International wow. Tree Climbing Championship. So I'm just back from those events in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. Wow. Exciting. I'm sure you're tired and it was hard to get you to uh, give up some time for us right away, but appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. yeah appreciate never, that. never you. hard. Yeah. Hey, Caitlin, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, a little bit about ISA? Absolutely. So um, I'm Caitlin Pollahan. I'm the ISA CEO and executive director. I've been in this role for about six years now, um, six fast and furious years. Um, it's been a great, uh, a great run with ISA. And I'm excited to say that organizationally, um, we continue to grow and expand into new places. And um, I truly enjoy representing 26,000 plus members um, in over 71 countries, keeps my job uh, busy and extremely interesting. Um, my background is in communications and business and public policy. Um, I worked for many years in forestry, uh, working on natural resource legislation, um, along with any kind of programmatic uh, and funding issues related to Western forests. And prior to that, I worked for the home builders um, on government affairs, working in green building and on OSHA regulations. Um, so arboriculture was kind of a natural transition for me, um, although I've always been on the administration side of the house. Uh, it's been really great still being able to use all of that tree knowledge that I gained in my 10 plus years working in forestry, um, now working in um, arboriculture. So that's probably a little bit about me, a little bit about the organization, but I'm sure you have more questions. We can dive in a bit more on ISA. Six years. You've covered a lot of, a lot of changed in six years. It's amazing. <laughs> Tej, six yes. years ago, when they first brought her on, it was in a little town, Champaign, Illinois. And, oh, uh, really? She had to move the entire organization, what, within a year or two? Uh, it was about a year and a half since I moved physically to Champaign as well um, that we made the move to Atlanta. Our board of directors did quite a lot of strategic visioning about where they wanted to see the organization in its next hundred years. And, um, you know, being in a, a city that had global recognition, ease of access, um, you know, a, a friendly business climate uh, really just made a lot of sense for the organization. And uh, the board decided to make that shift. So, yes, it was a big change for the organization um, and a big change for our members and our credential holders. But um, we've definitely seen how access and um you know, being in a city like Atlanta has allowed ISA to continue to grow its reach. I, I was going to ask Caitlin, just like, it's, so it's a great organization. Um, and obviously you guys have been growing a ton. What for you, what is like 
the most important sort of goal for the organization? Like, what do you sort of, I mean, there's obviously tons of things that you guys are focusing on, but like for you, what is the kind of the one measure of success? It's a really great question um, because you're right. ISA has many priorities like any association that has a large membership and also is the credentialing body for a profession would have. Um, and I think sometimes it's almost seen like we have conflicting priorities because members may have a different set of needs or desires than our credential holders do. Um, you know, they depend on the credential potentially for their livelihood, right? So I think for me, the one kind of guiding principle or goal always goes back to the profession itself. You know, ISA at our um, base, when we were incorporated in the U.S. as a nonprofit 501c5 organization, we were developed and created to represent and promote the entire profession. So when I think about what I use as my check to say, yes, we're doing a good job or ISA is meeting its mission, if the work that we're doing is promoting the entire profession. It doesn't matter if you're an ISA member. It doesn't matter if you're a member of a chapter. It doesn't matter if you're a credential holder. If you are somebody who's working in green industry, in agriculture or urban forestry, and something that ISA has done has helped to either increase your knowledge, give you uh, research that you were able to use in your daily job, um, you may be a credential holder. You might be a member and you use our magazine to help inform people in your organization about what other people in the green industry are doing in different countries. Whatever that is, that touch point, if ISA is making that touch point, that for me is a win. So, you know, I think taking it to a broader um, place than just are we growing our membership? Are we growing our number of credential holders? Those are really great uh, benchmarks and, and, you know, things that show that we're doing something that people like, but at the end of the day, it's about the entire profession and making sure that we have future professionals, that we have retaining the professionals that we have currently in the workforce and that ISA is seen as a global resource for people who are working in this space. Yeah. Like, so for, for something like, obviously there's, uh, very sad news coming out of Hawaii. Um, and, and just, you know, and we've talked a little bit about this in, in recent podcasts where, you know, like Spain, Greece, like Canada, like I'm Canadian. So, uh, you know, you're seeing, uh, forestry being brought to the, the national global light. Right. And so when, when, when there are incidents around the world and because you have a global organization, how does your organization sort of um, engage when there's like something like Hawaii happening? Like, how are you interacting in, in those environments? Yeah. So it's interesting because with my background in forestry, one of the key things that I worked on for many years was wildfire funding and how the U.S. actually funds uh, large-scale uh, wildfires like the ones that we're seeing now, Canada and, and Hawaii and other places. So it is um, something that I tend to kind of follow when I see those kind of stories and just because of my personal interest and in past professional work in that space. ISA does get asked as an organization to weigh in on many topics, um, you know, whether that's um, political type 
situations, whether it's natural disaster situations. And the, our general approach is that we help provide the resources that our members or our credential holders need in that area, whether we have, um, you know, utility companies responding to storm damage or we have um, wildland firefighters who, you know, have an our background who are in that space that as an organization, we support what they need in order to be able to do their job. And then as an organization, we also have many employees who are engaged in different, um, you know, social um, t- campaigns and, and, you know, work yeah, on their own as individuals. And obviously it, we support that as a nonprofit that's based here in the U.S. but has a global reach. But we often don't weigh in externally um through social media or those sites just because we're focused in on making sure that we're available and supporting the professionals who need it. Right. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, wow, that's, that makes sense. So just how many members and countries these days? Yeah. So we're at about 26,300 plus. It's incredible. Um, it's amazing. And we're in, we have members in 71 countries. Um, but then separate from that, uh, we also have conferred almost 60 or over 60,000 credentials. So those credential holders, many of them are members, and we always want our credential holders to have the benefits of membership um, to get them to earn CEUs and to allow them to access all of the kind of connectivity and peer engagement that happens within our global membership. Um, but they may or may not be members themselves. I mean, you guys do a great job on the credentialing. And so in terms of like, as the industry changes and as technologies become more advanced, you know, how do you keep up with the modernization of your credential program? So we have um, many volunteers and subject matter experts who contribute their time and expertise to ISA through our credentialing programs. And so um, not only do we have a credentialing council that's comprised of um, not only public members, but also um, key industry representatives, but then we have test committees and we have subject matter expert panels. And for every credential that ISA um, has and qualification, so qualifications and certifications, I should say, we do a job task analysis every five years. So you know that no matter what credential it is that you hold or you're interested in, within a five-year cycle, we have brought together not only a broad um, survey of the professionals and future professionals and what they think the credential should um, actually look at or include, make sure that it's still relevant to those people who are practicing and make sure it's going to be relevant for future practitioners. The tests themselves are updated, potentially percentages of the domains that are being tested, potentially the, in fact, recently the name of the credential was actually revised and rebranded in order to better uh, show what the credential was um, to the public and to the employers and to the people who hold that certification. So we have an active program that is constantly growing and evolving based on what the industry needs. Um, 
that's something that we feel very strongly about. The other thing that I think is important to think about relative to the ISA credentialing program is the fact that we do have our certified arborist um, has accreditation through ANAB. So it actually is accredited to meet the international standards organization requirements, which ISA invests a significant amount of time and, and really financial resources to ensure that we are meeting that high um, bar so that our ISA certified arborists are able to say that they hold an ANAB accredited certification that meets those ISO standards. Oh, that's incredible. So I noticed a lot in the utility industry, which most of the listeners mm-hmm. are, um, I'm sure there's quite a few that aren't clear the difference between UAA and ISA. And everybody needs to realize that the utility arborists, the uh, certification programs are ISA programs. Yeah, Absolutely. And in yeah. fact, we have just utility specialists alone are over 26, uh, 2,700 um, strong. So, you know, when you look at our certified arborists, we have over 37,000 ISA certified arborists. And then we have 2,700 plus uh, utility specialists. And ISA is a partner with UAA and they are a close partner. We have co- co-located in the past. We have kind of grown up together. And um, I will say that in my tenure with ISA, that there have been leaps and bounds um, changes and improvements in how we work with our close partners. And UAA is no exception. Um, Dennis Fallon, uh, the CEO there, and myself talk often, just saw him in Albuquerque. And we want to make sure that the work that our two organizations are doing is complementary and that there's this understanding that our organizations are working together to ensure that UAA, ISA, and all of our members, whether they're joint members or not, are getting what they need from both of our associations. All of the key best management practices are published by the ISA, right? The uh, utility pruning of trees, the IVM, tree risk utility tree risk assessment, and the tree risk assessment, uh, and closed chain of custody for herbicide use. Uh, All of them are products that... uh, ISA and UAA work together on. That's true. And in fact, UAA uh, provided some extra funding in order to be able to digitize some of those resources so that their members who wanted them digitally were able to get it in a very short order. So we definitely work together on all fronts to make sure that um, whether those members or credential holders are, are UAA members only or ISA members only or both, that they're getting what they need in order to be able to do their jobs. So from because you guys are a nonprofit, and I'm, I know I also, uh, with my business partner, started a nonprofit 12 years ago. And so fundraising is always fun, challenging, and um, there's never seems to be enough. <laughs> so... Um, and I know you guys have great partners. So can you talk to us a little bit about like the funding process for you guys and, you know, the mandates that are, that, that go with that and um, how challenging is that in, in an environment like we're in now economically? 
Yeah. So ISA is a special type of nonprofit in the U.S. tax law. We're actually a 501c5. I heard you say that. Yeah. Yeah. So not a a C3, which is your traditional charitable type organization. ISA has a different um, structure that is, they call it an agriculture uh, union in essence. And we're actually set up to receive the tax benefits of being a nonprofit, but we are structured to represent almost like a union. Um, it's the same designation as labor unions are. So we represent the entire profession according to the tax law of the United States. So what that means is we can accept donations, but we can also accept membership dues and we can accept, um, we, we can operate kind of outside of that more charitable donation space. So we can contribute to political campaigns if we chose to, which we don't. Um, so it, it's a little bit of a different type uh, structure. ISA traditionally has not accepted individual donations. Um, I'm going to use tree fund as an example. They often will receive individual donations from um, somebody like Phil who wants to support Agricultural research and wants to send $500 in to that goal. ISA doesn't accept those kind of donations. So it does mean that we aren't necessarily having to go out for individual donation uh, solicitation, which is, is a, is a good thing. um, I think for us where we concentrate is really on bringing in funds that support the work that we do and then spending them in order, to, to further build the programs themselves. So um, we really want to ensure that when we have credentialing revenue, that that credentialing revenue goes into our credentialing program. So perfect example, our three main places that ISA actually brings in revenue is credentialing, membership, and then the sale of our education products and resources. And we put all of those funds back into the organization itself. We even send... 40 to 60% of every dollar that we earn for our credentialing program goes directly back to the chapters and the professional affiliate organizations that help support that program. So if we earn $3 million in our credentialing program, about 1.4 will go directly out to the chapters as we earn it. So that helps fund the work that they do to support the program itself. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, That's one of the beneficial relationships that we have with groups like UAA. So UAA receives revenue from every single individual who becomes a municipal, uh, sorry, not a municipal specialist, a utility specialist. The Society of Municipal Arborists receives revenue for every individual who becomes a municipal specialist. And that's a really beneficial thing because it helps support the work that UAA does to code programs for CEUs, to provide some customer support for credential holders, and to make sure that we're all actively promoting the fact that we want people to earn those certifications to show that they have a minimum level of knowledge in that industry. It really wow. is an interesting model wow. how it encourages the partners. So uh, UAA is a partner, SMA, Society of Municipal Arborists. I think there's mm-hmm. two others. There are the Society of Commercial Arborists and then AREA, which is the um, research group. Yeah, good. 
Yeah. How how big is your organ? Sorry, Phil. Just you know, I'm so fascinated with your organizational <laughs> structure. I'm like, wow, it's so efficiently uh, run. Um, how big is I'd say like your actual team that's delivering all of this? Yeah, so we have about 33 uh, full-time employees that are based out of Atlanta, um, and then we have an agreement with a company that handles all of our uh, shipping of our product and storage of our product, as well as some of our frontline customer service. We have a set-aside team of eight people who are at that organization who only work on ISA-related um, ISA-related work. So, Wow, okay. Sorry. And your big event of the year just ended. And Tej, it's the uh, part of it's the international tree climbing competition. And if you haven't experienced that next year, we need to go. It is really something to see. Next year is the 100 year anniversary of ISA. So if you're going to come to an event, that's the one to come to. 100 years. Wow. Do you know where it's going to be yet? I do. It's going to be in Atlanta. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. (laughs) So in our our hometown. That's incredible. It is yeah. really a, a cool event to watch. So tell us about the uh, overall conference. Yeah, so uh, this last conference was great. We were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, which was a, a lovely spot, you know, southwest United States. So it was a new place for many of our attendees to explore. Um, and, you know, ISA definitely sees when we hold meetings, because we move them around the world, that we kind of have this target of, of attendees that may or may not have ever been to an ISA conference, may or may not have ever been to even a chapter event, but because we now are going to be somewhere that's drivable or a reasonable quick flight, they're able to come and, and have that experience. So we had about, I think we ended up at over 880 attendees um, in, in the conference itself. Obviously, we have the International Tree Climbing Championship, which is a whole nother event, but held a few days before. Um, we had a hun- over 100 volunteers who came in and helped to run that event, um, along with over 80 competitors from around the world, 22 countries. Um, so we had a, a huge representation from our kind of global community. Um that's something that's really important as we we do move our conference is we want to make sure that we're uh, having events that people are able to experience. So this coming year we'll be in Atlanta, and then the following year we're going to be in New Zealand, actually in twenty twenty five. Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! Good. Is um just shifting gears a little bit. So you sit at a very um, you have a very interesting lens, right? You can see. Uh, from a credentialing perspective, you see basically the the employee base for for many markets, um, and then f- from a political perspective, everything that's happening, uh, you know, in the industry uh, right now, there's there's all kinds of narratives and shifts and focus and um, different approaches to things. When you step back and you see what's happening in, in let's say the utility industry, where there's obviously like a lot of focus right now. You know, what are some of the things that concern you, right? As, as a leader of a large organization that works so closely with all of these different uh, stakeholders, like, is there something that you're seeing as a trend that you're like, hmm, I'm a little concerned here and I'm going to have to work within my organization to, to be a player to help support a better trend? Is there something that you're seeing out there? You know, I think one of the trends that I'm seeing, and, and it's, 
it's in the utility space, but it's also, uh, I think, in other places as well, is just this shortened time frame for everything or sh- or or increased need that isn't being met. And so I, I feel like what I what I see, utility is a great example. There just are not enough people to do the amount of work that's needed right now or in the future. And and that there's this condensed timeline that people are feeling like they have to meet to address the issue. And so yes, that's exactly what it feels like is this is this constant scramble to find people and train them and and set them up for success and then find the next person and train them and set them up for success. And so I think as I'm looking at kind of longer term trends or longer term things that ISA as an organization partnering with UAA needs to look at is like how do you provide a support that helps our members and then the organizations that they work for because UAA and ISA are individual membership organizations. How do we support the people who are either currently in that hamster wheel or who are going to be entering into that? And how do we help give them what they need to be able to be supported throughout that shortened time frame of going from one place to the next what that really looks like for people who are actually in the, in the industry. And that that's not necessarily, it's not like a, Oh, you know, we're going to be so data driven over the next five years that this is what ISA is going to do to set us up for success that way. Or, you know, the use of different kind of technologies like drones or um, new, new machinery or different techniques or, it's not, it's not so specific as that, but it's more just this feeling of, you know, time and, yeah, time. and, and need. Time need. and need. Yeah. Oh. Add all the drones, all the technology. You still <laughs> need men and women in the tree. And where are they coming mm-hmm. from? And how can you get them out there fast enough trained to work safely? That's exactly right. And there are resources that, the government's putting towards this that, you know, in the U S but also in other countries, you know, it's not something that people are not aware of or trying to figure out how to open the doors wider so that you get in people who may not have ever considered vegetation management as a a career path, but clearly it's one that can provide a family sustaining wage that is an, a needed sure. um, right. important part of, sure. of our, you know, profession. And so I think it's, I think it's just figuring out where people are going to be coming from in the future and convincing them that th- these are jobs that, you know, are, are excellent opportunities. Before we leave you today, um, you know, just on a more personal note, you know, again, it sounds like you've done such a fantastic job leading the ISA and this organization. For you personally, as a leader, you know, do you have mentors or people that you go to that can help you, um, you know, steer complex problems and manage a large organization and a, and a huge member base? Like, where do you, Caitlin, personally go to, you know, seek counsel? Yeah. So, I definitely have had people throughout my career that I've been able to rely on like that. And it's important because these are high stress jobs, right? And we, 
I personally spend a lot of time um, working and, and I love what I do, but you always have to have somebody who can kind of, you can test your theories on or talk about, you know, making your, uh, your, your goals more clear or this is my idea. Is this really going to work? And so, yes, I definitely have those, those resources. I would say I'm lucky in the sense that we have an ISA board of directors of 15 members that really have a diverse footprint. So from all over the world and I have a really great working relationship with them. And so I do have the opportunity to test a lot of that, my ideas or, or, you know, work with them in an iterative sense on some of the the work that ISA is doing. And they set the strategy, right? I'm just in charge of making sure that we put the operations and the, and the work behind it to make that happen. Um, but they're a great resource for me to bounce things off of um, as, as we've yeah, moved forward. So that's a, that's one group. And then, you know, I have peers who like Dave White from TCIA, uh, Terry Baker from SAF, um, you know, some of the folks at Arbor Day, Dan Lamb and I have worked together for many years and I, I have the utmost respect for his um, approach and, and how he thinks things through. Um, so yeah, there's definitely those kind of relationships that you build over the years and that you have the ability to kind of, you know, toss ideas around with. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Everybody needs to hear that as a lesson, you know, yeah. find, find oh, great mentors. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you need um, it. <laughs> Kaylin, um, this is awesome today. Is there, is there kind of a, something that you want to kind of leave the audience with as it relates to the ISA in terms of, you know, we are, they obviously should have a great understanding of, of the ISA after, after today, but is there something that you want to sort of put out there for, for the audience as it relates to the organization? You know, I think the one thing that I would leave people with, especially knowing that so many of your listeners um, work in the vegetation management space and utility, um, I think that ISA has continued to evolve over the last hundred years. And we're going into this huge celebration um, of, of this like long tenured organization that truly was created to represent the professionals. And Utility arborists and vegetation management um, professionals are an important part of that membership and that we've recommitted to building collaboration and to ensuring that as ISA moves into its next hundred years, that we are truly showing up for our partners and UAA is a really important uh, partner of our organization. And so I think I would just leave everybody with kind of this, this sense that there is this continued intentional uh, focus on making sure that UAA and ISA are partnering to support the professionals that are working in this space. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Caitlin, yeah, I'm not there fantastic. anymore, but when I did, I saw that in action. I always appreciated that. So, and I miss working with you. I know I miss working yeah. with you too. Dennis so. is Dennis has been wonderful and has definitely been leading the organization, working with the board in great directions. And I, uh, he building off of the work that you did when you were in that seat. Yeah, I'm anxious to see uh, where the collaboration goes. It's a just a great organization. I think I attended my first one 
1980, my first conference. So Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that is nice. I was three. <laughs> yeah, well, just, yeah, thanks. <laughs> sorry, 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 Phil. Um, Caitlin, thanks again for today. Um, it was an absolute joy having you. Um, it was such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for making time. Thanks. I, appreciate I do appreciate it, Caitlin. Thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. Same. Fantastic. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, brought to you by Iapetus Holdings. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at treesandlines at iapetusllc.com. We'll chat with you soon. Thank you.